welcome to Solar Power World Solar Speaks Live, powered by Unirac at Solar Power International 2016. I'm Kathy Zip, and today we're speaking with Erica Mackey, co-founder and CEO of Grid Alternatives. Since 2001, Grid Alternatives has been making solar practical and accessible for low-income communities that need the savings and jobs the most, but have the least access. So we're very excited to have Erica with us to tell us more. So thanks for being here, Erica. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So you were chosen as one of our 2016 innovators and influencers and uh, by actually Enphase's co-founder, Raghu Balor, and he wrote a really nice piece about you in our issue. And in it, he discussed your vision and how you see solar as a kind of social force to do good and an opportunity to create jobs, especially in disadvantaged neighborhoods. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure, well, first thanks to Regu and Enphase. They've been <laughs> incredible partners for many, many years. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing I love about solar is that it's so much more than the shiny blue panel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when, uh, when we all kind of look out and think like, what are the big issues of our time? Yeah. And, you know, facing us, you know, this growing gap between rich and poor, uh -huh. the need for real good jobs, um, you know, climate change, um, you know, how can we take this technology and have it um, sort of mobilize us to lift up all of our communities? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what we're doing is providing access to those jobs, um, to job training, to, you know, being a solar consumer, to be able to sort of take back your rooftop or take back your energy yeah. um, to, you know, the masses of folks out there um, who, you know, frequently have the most to gain from solar power, mm -hmm. um, are definitely losing the most from climate change um, and from environmental pollution and saying, like, this is a technology for all of us. Right. And so um, it's really not just about that panel, although uh, one of the things that's great about the panel is that it's these very practical projects, right? Mm -hmm. That at the end of the day, there are panels that are in a community solar array across town or on your rooftop, and your cousin has a job in solar. And those are very practical things right. that are making real day changes in real people's lives. Right, that's so interesting, taking those those practical things and really tackling these big issues, like you said, of our time. And so that's so amazing. Um, it's really inspiring to know that all those things can really come from solar. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, movement making, yeah. right? And you know, what we're all trying to do together around, you know, a clean energy future. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard to bridge the that activist part of ourselves that want to leave a better future for our children and these really practical things. And right. I think, you know, the Grid Alternatives projects are able to do that. And it, it, you know, it sort of says like, you and me and everybody can really participate in making change. How wonderful. And and so I, I know you've started, you started in California, Grid did. And then what's wonderful is you've been, you've been able to expand that to areas like Colorado, I saw New York Tri-State area, mid-Atlantic region and even overseas um, so can you talk a little bit more about how you grid has, has gone about their expansion and what you uh, why maybe you, you choose certain areas to expand into in particular um, and then where you're thinking about moving next sure. yeah I mean so as you said you know we've expanded nationally over the last um, 
know, 12 years that we've been around, but really in the last five years has been our sort of, you know, push outside of California. But we had a huge, enormous growth in California before that. Right. And it's a combination of both organic growth where, you know, things spread like wildfire when it's a good idea. And, you know, sort of the simple ideas are the things that spread. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, our first two families that went solar in 2004, you know, they told their friends and their family and everybody across town. Um, and that wasn't only in their small town in the Bay Area, it was in Fresno or in New York. Um, and so, you know, there's been this sort of organic um, growing of people who are hungry for solar power as a solution to um, the things that they're struggling with. Were you able um, to... to accommodate those people and help those people in those areas before? Well, in before? the first 10 years, you know, early days, people would call us up and say, you know, I can't pay my bills and I, you know, live in the Bronx. We'd be like, call back in 10 years. There you go. Okay. So just um, recently, you've been hearing about yeah, the interest. I mean, we, got, we got a good amount of um, investment from Wells Fargo to help us expand nationally. And, uh-huh. you know, policy is very key to good, scalable, low-income solar growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think there was a certain amount of growth that we could, you know, make happen by, you know, smart business, by bringing in philanthropy, by, um, you know, our nonprofit model. But without policy, um, you know, the low-income sector is frequently left behind. And right. so a lot of our expansion um, to date and sort of the expansion that you're talking about, about the future, is that if we really want to, as a country, um, meet the energy needs in a way that, you know, sort of democratizes energy. Mm-hmm. Um, that is going to take all all sectors. And government is an important sector of that. And, right. you know, Obama announced recently his, you know, clean energy savings for all, yes. um, I think, which is a way that the federal government is sort of saying, like, we're in this with you. And, you know, everybody sort of meet that call. And, you know, states and cities have been leading around low-income solar policy. But, you know, where grid alternatives will be able to serve low-income families will, uh, um, you know, continue to line up where states are pushing good low-income solar policy. And I think we've come a long way from, you know, even four years ago when at SPI the conversation, you know, now there's a ton of policy conversations and, you know, people are asking themselves, how are all of our constituents going to be able to benefit, not just like barrel forward and, you know, get whoever's on board. Right. That's yeah, it, it is a big thing to hear, you know, from our from our government, from our president, um, that they are supporting this uh, moving forward. And so let's talk about policy a little bit more. Like I said, I, I know that Grid and its partners are here at the show actually doing some sessions on exploring the uh, issues with low income solar policy. And so maybe you can give us a brief overview of some of the opportunities and challenges to unlocking the low income access to solar and why Grid calls this a, I like it how this was worded, a mission critical move to our industry's long term success. Yeah. Well, I think there's both the industry and the answer to your question about the industry and also uh, the world Mm -hmm. and the answer for the world. I think, you know, we do have to look at a justice framework um, in terms of, you know, it is the right thing for all of our constituents to be able to have access to clean power, that they can produce cleanly, that can be more affordable, that can employ themselves and, um, you know, their neighbors. So I think, you know, downstream from traditional power generation lives many low-income communities. Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, 
you know, our communities deserve to have solar power mm -hmm. for our industry, and I'm very much a part of the solar industry. It is absolutely critical that we grapple with how are we going to, in the next, you know, 12 years or 20 years, really make mainstream the technology and, uh, um, you know, the solutions that we are working every day to do. Yeah. And if we don't engage with grassroots community organizers and, um, you know, community groups and housing groups and justice groups, it's an incredible missed opportunity, mm -hmm. um, but it also will be to our detriment because you can believe that folks who don't want solar or, you know, don't care are going to continue to engage with those groups. Mm -hmm. And let's not, you know, let um, sort of, you know, the communities we care about be this wedge um, into solar. So it is really critical that we make sure that, you know, we are reaching out, whoever that we is, right? Yeah. That our table either relocates or invites other people in. Right. Um, and that, you know, we make this a conversation that is not just about, oh, okay, how do we get the most solar out there the fastest? That's very important. Right. And it's also about the how we get there and the who and with whom. Exactly, who, who is able to, to take advantage and, and who it can help and all those other um, bigger, broader issues like you mentioned in the, in the beginning. So um, I know we kind of touched on this. There's been a lot of talk about um, state policy and community solar in you know, the industry. Uh, so, and I know GRID is, is also holding sessions at the show um, on each of these topics. So what's unique about state policy and the role of community solar um, when it comes to GRID's consumer demographic and in particular to those lower income um, potential solar customers? I think the answer to both the technology and the, and the policy question is a both and, okay. right? Which is, you know, we need, there's a lot of different ways of deployment and community solar can be such an excellent way to reach, you know, a demographic that might have a shady roof, that, um, you know, might not own a home, that might be a renter, that, right. you know, might live in the projects or might live, uh, you know, in a mobile home in, you know, rural somewhere. Um, and so I think, but community solar alone won't solve that problem. Right. But it can be such an impressive technical force. So I think we need to, you know, think about single family. We need to think about multifamily. We need to think about community solar. We need to think about, you know, utilities and how utilities are already um, thinking about their low-income customers and, you know, how are utilities going to lead in the in the low-income space? How is the solar industry going to lead? How are we going to work together? Um, and I think that's the conversations that's starting to happen. That it's not just about one thing or the other thing. It's about how do we really intersect um, all of these forces and how have a lot of different options for a lot of different people. Right. That's great to hear that utilities are thinking about that, and uh, I'm sure that a lot of uh, there'll be a lot of interesting different players in these sessions that will be happening um, throughout the show, and so lots of other good conversations happening there. So make sure that everyone checks that out as well. Um, but that wraps up this edition of Solar Speaks Live at uh, Solar Power International 2016, and I do want to thank Erica for being here with us. So it was very interesting to hear everything. You're so passionate about what you do, so thank you for sharing thank that with us. Me. And uh, be sure to stop by throughout the show to see more interviews with solar experts. And thank you so much, everyone.